Well, hey, today we're going to continue our sermon series in the Gospel of Luke. And if you remember last week, we did a series within a series. We're going to continue that series within a series. If that sounds really confusing, that's okay. It's even a little confusing to me. So open up your Bibles or your YouVersion Bible app to Luke chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 10 this morning, Luke chapter 16. If you remember last week, we talked about one of Jesus's most confusing parables. And it is, it's really difficult to understand. I think it's actually not necessarily a parable. I don't think it's wrong to call it that. I think it's a little bit more helpful, though, to call it an object lesson. If you remember, just to catch you up, Jesus told a story about a very dishonest manager And then it seemed like he was commending the manager's actions for being dishonest. When we took a look at this, though, we actually discovered Jesus was not commending the actual actions itself, but that he took action. And he said most of the time, people don't do this. In fact, if you go back to Luke chapter 16, verse 8, he says this. He says, uh, let's see here. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. He was saying, hey, actually, this guy did something. And as Christians, we ought to be passionate for our faith. The problem is, so many times we get a pep talk and we go, yeah, let's go do it. And then we don't have any action steps of how we actually do that. So I want to take a look at the rest of Luke chapter 16 over the next few weeks or so and take a look and see, okay, so how do we actually do this? Because Luke chapter 16 is one long teaching that Jesus has to his disciples and later on to also the Pharisees. We find out that the Pharisees are actually listening to Jesus as he teaches his disciples here. And I believe that he actually gives many practical steps about how we can stay passionate for our faith, how we can have a fervor to what God has called us to do. So take a look with me here in Luke chapter 16. We're just going to read a handful of verses, but we are continuing on here. This is what it says here, starting in verse 10. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, Who will entrust you to true riches? And if you've not been faithful to which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. We're going to talk about this and what this means for our lives today. Before we do that, though, as always, let's just go before God in prayer, asking him for his help with that. Pray with me, if you will. Father, we thank you so much for your good and perfect word and help us to align our lives with it. Jesus, we all have different plans and things that we would like to see happen in our lives. But God, would you help us to just relinquish those plans, give them over to you, and you shape our lives. You shape it to, see, to, to form us to be less like us, to be more like you, to glorify you in everything that we can do. Help us to do that. Help us to be faithful to what you've called us to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, I've got a question for you. Raise a hand. I know this is a poor weekend to ask this, being Thanksgiving weekend. But real question, raise your hand if you've ever been on a diet before. Oh, diet, raise your hand. So most of us have been on a diet. Now, this I know this is like the worst weekend to ask this, but 
How many of you today, by a raise of hands, are still on that diet? Okay, I see maybe one or two. Not very many, right? We typically start diets at the beginning of the year. By Thanksgiving weekend, it is basically just, uh, we've gained the weight and then some, right? I mean, that's just typically what happens. We are really good at the beginning. We're like, yes, I'm going to go work out. It's January. I'm going to lose a thousand pounds and it's going to be awesome. And I'm only going to eat one piece of spinach a day. And it's just, I'm going to be the most fit person and I'm going to be tan and my personality is going to change too. It's just going to be amazing. And then January 2nd hits, right? And it's all out. And you're like, oh, I might as well just eat Taco Bell for the rest of my life, right? That's typically what happens. And sometimes in our faith, we can say, man, I am going to be passionate. I'm going to go out and I'm going to glorify God with everything I do. And it's going to be awesome. I'm going to read the whole Bible every single day. And this is going to be awesome. I'm going to spend 80 hours in prayer a day. And this is just, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be awesome. And then the next day hits and you're like, oh, man, that was really hard. I think I'm just going to go do what I'm, you know, normally doing. Here's what I want to do for you today. I want to go through chapter 16, just these handful of verses. I want to give you practical tips on how we can be passionate for our faith. Last week we talked about the meaning of that passage, right? The meaning of the parable was that we should have some fervor behind us. And in order to do that, we got to live knowing that God is going to hold us accountable and live with this eternal mindset. Jesus here gives us a few more practical tips on how we can passionately serve Him with everything that we do. Here's what I want to point out to you first. Take a look here in verses 10 and 11. It says, The one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. The one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. Jesus is dispelling this myth that many of us fall into. Many of us fall, fall into this trap to say, you know what, if I only I had more money, if only I had more time, if only my life situation was different, then I could be more faithful. Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Giving more time, getting more money, getting more resources, whatever, is only going to uh, exacerbate whatever you're doing right now. In other words, if you're not faithful with the little things that you have, Jesus is saying, you're not going to be faithful if I give you more. He goes on in verse 11. He says, if then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, and remember, we talked about that before. That's our money. That's the things here on earth. The unrighteous wealth. Who will entrust you to the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Okay, so here we're getting some real practical tips here. Jesus is saying, if you want to stay passionate, remember this happens right after Jesus told this parable. If you want to stay fervorous for your faith, if you want to have a fire beneath you, if you want to glorify God in everything that you do, Jesus is saying, now's the time to be faithful with whatever you have in your life, whether it be your time, your money, your resources, your relationships, whatever you have, Jesus is saying, I need you to be faithful with that. So here's what I want you to do. In order to accomplish that, in order to stay passionate about your faith, here's what I think that we all ought to do. I think we all ought to take an audit 
of our lives. Now, if you're unfamiliar with what an audit is, this is simply when they take a look at the books, Preston's smiling back there because that's what he does for a living, but they take the books of a business or of an organization or the IRS might do this with your taxes and they go through it with a fine-tooth comb and they say, okay, are you being honest? Is anyone embezzling money? Is what our money uh, going to worth it? Is it worth the investment? They might also do like an energy audit. You might see those this time of year, it's getting to be cold out. They might uh, have an energy audit for your home. Somebody might come out and say, okay, you got to change that window out, insulate that wall, whatever. And that could help your home to be more uh, energy efficient, more comfortable. But I think we could also take an audit of our lives. I think we could take an audit of our lives to say, okay, what aspect of my life needs to be more faithful? You could see where you're spending your time. Maybe after taking that audit, you might decide, man, I am spending way too much time on social media. In fact, my phone at least, I don't know about your phone, my phone will tell me exactly, if I look in the settings, exactly how much time I spent on each individual app. And sometimes I click on that and I go, oh man, I just spent a long time scrolling through some really dumb videos that did nothing except make me laugh but now I just wasted an hour, right? And so we can take a look at all of these things that we have and say, man, am I being faithful? You could take a look at your money that you get in every single month and you may be super surprised to see a very uh, large number that maybe you didn't, you didn't notice because it's all going out the door and it's going to wasteful things. We can take an audit of our lives and say, man, where are my thoughts at? Where are my thoughts constantly at? What, what is my mind consuming? What is it obsessed with? What is it thinking about? Because God wants every single aspect of our life to be committed to Him and be faithful. Take a look at what Colossians 3.2 says. It says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Proverbs 4.25 puts it very similarly. It says, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Jesus, on his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added to you. What if you took an audit of your life? What would you discover? You might discover, wow, I do have time for those things that God's been calling me to do. I do have money for that. I do have the brain power, but I need to give up something in order to make that happen. Um, Tammy, a few year, Tammy and I, a few years ago, um, actually about five or six years ago by now, bought an old house. It was built in 1944, and uh, through various renovations, we have found out we have zero insulation in our entire home. I don't know about you, but that makes it really, really drafty. In fact, many people have told me, many older people have told me in growing up in homes like this, they could actually set a glass of water next to the window and it would freeze. Okay, this was our house. In fact, my back door, when it got really cold a couple years ago, the door handle would not open because it was frozen on the inside, okay? It was really, really bad. And so we had a couple of uh, insulation companies come out and uh, some, some people told me, oh yeah, you know what? This is gonna be $20,000. This is, you know, this is a big job. And so we were like, well, that's just not worth it. So we had a few more and just kind of picked some people's brain. And eventually we got some really good ideas. And in fact, one guy even told me, I was down in my basement and uh, up until a few years ago, I mean, we could not use our basement. I mean, it was just frigid. In fact, we would not use it in the winter. I went down there one April, like the first nice day. 
and it, my couch was dusty. I mean, literally, I had to dust the couch because we just hadn't used it for six months. It was crazy. And I had one guy down there, and he goes, oh, yeah, you know those insulation, like the big rolls, like from Lowe's or Menards or something? You just stuff all those cavities, and then you swap out that door. You could use your basement in the winter. It'll be fine. And I said, no way. But you know what? We thought, let's just give it a shot. So we did the insulation, spent 30 or 40 bucks on it. I cannot believe how big of a difference it made. Just a little bit made a huge, massive difference. In fact, Tammy and I were just down there watching a movie last night after the kids went to bed, and I could not believe how comfortable it was. I don't say that to sell you uh, insulation or something like that, but I just want to let you know, little things can make a big difference. And if you're really brave, if you're really brave, ask someone who's close to you. Ask them, hey, I'm trying to take this audit of my life. How faithful do you think that I am with my time? Or how faithful do you think that I am with my money? Spouses, married folk in the room, if you're really brave, turn to your spouse and say, hey, help me take an audit of my life. How faithful am I being in my marriage? Not just with the obvious things, but how well do I love you? If you're really brave, go to your boss and say, hey, I want to be a better employee. Would you help me to do that? Would you help me to, to do the things that I need to do to be the best employee that I possibly can? I want to be faithful in everything. So take that audit. If you're really brave, bring somebody along with you and say, hey, you know what? Would you help me to do that? Now, if you're going to do that, I want to let you know you got to be humble. you got to be humble enough to say, yeah, you know what? You know what? Forget you. I can't believe. No. Okay, don't do that. If you're going to bring somebody else in, I'm not saying that their opinion is bold, but I am saying, hey, we got to be humble about it. we got to listen. So that's the first thing I think what we could do is just to take a simple audit of our life. Once we do that then, I think we take the next step. Take a look here. Let's continue on in verse 13. Jesus says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, this is interesting because up until this point, Jesus hasn't really brought up the uh, issue of money. Now, he did just talk about with the parable of the dishonest manager, right? This dishonest manager was not handling money well, but he used that to say that he took action, that he was wide, that he was shrewd here. What is Jesus getting at? I think what he's getting at is he's saying, hey, if you're going to be faithful, if you're going to be faithful in every aspect of your life, you simply have to ask yourself, am I serving more than one God? Am I trying to devout uh, my resources and, and, and divide them in such a way that I'm kind of straddling two things and you know, I'm trying to do this and I'm trying to be a Christian and I'm trying to do this over here? What Jesus is saying here is you can only serve one God. Each of us, whether we like it or not, has a God in our lives. Your God might be the one true God, or it could be something else. Jesus brings up the example here of money. And he says, hey, listen, you cannot serve both God and money. And I think that's an extra one that we really need to pay attention to. But I think there are more as well. Our God could be video games. It could be Netflix. It could be our job. It could be having the nicest things or the nicest house or driving the coolest car. Whatever it might be, Jesus is saying you can only have one. And if you have something that is not the one true God, that's called an idol. So after you take that audit of your life, 
Here's what I think the next step, if you're going to stay passionate for Christ, you have to evaluate your life for idols. Because there is nothing quite like an idol to ruin your passion for Christ. In fact, if you have an idol in your life, it will absolutely destroy your fervor for your faith. It will completely ruin it. Don't believe me? Look at Jonah 2.8. It says, Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. In other words, if you have an idol in your life, you are giving up the true love that God wants to offer to you. Now you might be saying, okay, so how do I like how do I determine what, what's an idol in my life and what's maybe just taken up a little too much time or too much of my brain power or whatever? How can I determine an idol? Here's what I would do. After you take the audit of your life, take a look at the things that are taking up most of the time and the resources, those big chunks of time. You may have something that's taking up 90% of your free time and your spare money. If that's the case, if you have something that's really taking up a lot of time, a lot of resources, a lot of your brain power, what you will devote yourself to, I would pray very specifically about that because there's probably a good chance that it could be an idol. Now, I'm not saying 100% it is, but I think we just need to take special care and say, God, is this an idol? Even things that seem really good. We talked about this a number of weeks ago. Things that seem really good in life can oftentimes become an idol. Those number two priorities, right? Sometimes we get them out of order because God should always be that number one priority in our lives. To say, hey, God always gets the priority. He's always number one in our lives. And if something is trying to take that slot in our lives, it's an idol, and we need to get rid of it. It's really important, which I think is why First John puts it like this. It's such a, a loving, father-like thing to say. He says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. So what do you do if you think you might have one in your life? I think Hebrews chapter 13 addresses that. In fact, we uh, heard about it earlier. It says, keep your life free from the love of money and be uh, content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What you could do is you could focus on your relationship with God. You could focus on God's faithfulness. And it helps us to not need those idols so much in our lives. And we can do what Colossians 3, 5 says very passionately. Take a look at this. Put to death. Not, oh, just reprioritize in your life. Not, you know, maybe not spend so much time on it. No, no, no. Put it to death. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. You may have to get out parts of your life. You may have to delete apps off your phone. You may have to say to certain people, you know what? I'm done. I'm not hanging out with you any longer. You may have to say, I am done with this because it is an idol in my life. And again, there's nothing quite like an idol to ruin your passion for your faith, to ruin the fervor that God wants to have with you. And remember, we talked about this is true life, right? To know God as our personal Lord and Savior and passionately serve Him. That is a satisfying life. And so many times we can look at different things and say, that's going to be a satisfying life if I have that job 
or if I drive that car, or if I know that person, or if I have this status in society, or if I had more time for I had only that. Listen, that's an idol. If you're looking at that to give you life, that's an idol. Because only Jesus can give us true life. He is the only thing. We're all designed with a need for a relationship with God. And sometimes we try and fulfill that through other things. Those are known as idols. Only God can satisfy that in our lives. So after we've taken that audit and after we evaluate our life for idols, here's what I think we can do next. Last and final thing I want to leave you with today. Take a look at verse 11 with me in Luke chapter 16. Jesus says, If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you with true riches? Think about that. True riches just for a moment. Think about what is that? What is Jesus talking about when he says, okay, what are the true riches? If you've not been faithful in unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you with true riches? Well, again, unrighteous wealth is what? It's that stuff that is in your wallet right now, right? It's this stuff. It's unrighteous wealth. It's just stuff. It's your time. It's your money right here on earth. It's your, it might be your car. It might be your house. It's just a thing. It's not righteous in and of itself, but it can be used for good things and could be used for bad things. It's just neutral stuff. But Jesus is saying, if you're not faithful with the things that you have now, you're never going to experience these true riches. You're never going to have these true riches. What are these true riches? Well, if you uh, look these up, scholars are divided in what they think that it is. But here's what I would say that it is. All it is are things that are eternal, not here on earth. It's the transformation power that Christ can have in your life to give you the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's how you can spur that on in others and to invite them into a relationship with Him. Jesus says, hey, listen, if you're not faithful with the little things, you're not going to be faithful with the big things. And let me tell you, the big things are not money. The big things are eternal. So here's what I want you to do. After knowing this, that Jesus says, okay, I have to be faithful with everything that I have, even the little things. Take an audit of your life, evaluate your life for idols, but also this, choose to wisely invest everything that you have into God's kingdom. Wisely invest it. Because here's what we could do. We can go through life and we could say, you know what, I'm going to buy that car. And then, oh, that car broke down, so I'm going to buy that one. And then, you know what, I'm going to buy that nice house. I'm going to take that nice vacation. And I'm going to go do this and that and this and that. And, uh, you know, that'll be a pretty good life. But what Jesus says is he says, hey, I actually want you to flip your mindset. That things don't make your life good. Investing in my kingdom does. That's how you experience true life. I want you to think just for a moment. Uh, last week, I had you think about the impact, the legacy that you could have if you were passionate for your faith. If you said, I mean, I'm just going to have a fervor behind doing what God has called me to do. I had you just close your eyes for a moment and think of that. I want you to think about that again. If you chose to wisely invest everything into God's kingdom with a passion, and chose to say, you know what? I'm going to serve God with everything that I've got. Let me ask you a question. 
What kind of impact would you leave? What kind of legacy would you leave for your children? For those who knew you, man, what kind of impact could you have? If you wisely invested everything into God's kingdom, because the New Testament is constantly calling to do this, us to do this. Look, take a look here at 2 Corinthians. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I don't know about you, but I want to reap generously someday, which means that today we got to sow generously as well. It means we got to invest into God's kingdom. We got to spend the time. We got to spend the money to invest into God's kingdom in order to reap generously down the road. I referenced this earlier, the Sermon on the Mount. A little earlier, Jesus says this. So, He says, store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermins destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But look at this, store up for yourselves in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy where thieves do not break in and steal, and where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let me ask you a question today. Where's your heart at? Is it in your treasures here on earth? Or is it in the eternal things that God is truly calling you to do? You know what? We live in a very prosperous society. We have a lot of stuff. Even those of us who maybe are saying, man, I, I'm not prosperous. I don't, I don't have a great social status. I don't have a lot of money. You still live in a very prosperous nation with a lot of resources around you. In the New Testament, there's a young pastor in a very prosperous area named Ephesus. Paul wrote to him. His name was Timothy. And he specifically instructed him to tell people this if they had a lot of money. Take a look here, 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. I don't know about you, but I think if we've learned anything in 2020 and 2021, it is that wealth is uncertain. I mean, think about it. Just a year ago, wasn't the stock market like half of what it is today? Isn't inflation going crazy? I mean, this stuff, if we put our hope in it, it's uncertain. So this is what God's Word tells us to do. Not to put our hope in money, but to put our hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. You know, sometimes I think as Christians, we look at stuff, we go, I can't enjoy that. That's, that's wrong for me to enjoy that. Actually, God provided it for our enjoyment. But look at this. It says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In other words, we're not self-centered about it. We're generous. We're willing to share. And look at this. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. I want to take hold of the life that is truly life. In order to do that, we got to stay passionate and we got to invest everything that we've got into God's kingdom. Now that doesn't mean that you take 100% of your bank account and write a check today to the church. Listen, there are some pastors that will tell you to do that. I'm here and I'm saying, hey, unless God specifically tells you to do that, please don't do that. 
That's pretty irresponsible. But what God is saying, I think, to each and every one of us is I want you to be intentional. I don't want you to just walk through life and go, well, you know, I guess I'll do that or I guess I'll go do this. I'll keep up with the Joneses by buying this new piece of furniture or whatever. I think God is saying, hey, be, tension, be intentional to invest into my kingdom. And by doing so, look at this, you'll lay up a treasure for yourselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. I don't know about you, but man, I think as we look around, there are so many uncertain things in life. And it is so good to trust in a God who is rock solid certain. Now, we don't have to worry about losing money in the stock market. And even if we have money in the stock market and it goes down, we go, oh, well, that's not where my true treasure is, right? My true treasure is in heaven. And it doesn't matter what happens here on earth because I've invested everything into the eternal, into this treasure in heaven here. Let me ask you a question, church. What if you truly did this? If you were passionate about your faith and so you took the audit of your life, you took the audit and said, all right, where's my time, my money, my resources, my brain power going? And then you said, all right, maybe in there, is there an idol? And then how can I rearrange all of the things that I have to invest into God's kingdom and truly funnel everything I've got to glorify God? What would your life look like? Would it look differently from where it looks now? Would you maybe have different conversations with people? Would you spend your time doing different things? Would you spend your money on different things? I think for most of us, there would be some significant changes in our life if we truly were intentional to invest everything that we've got into God's kingdom. Let's be the moms and the dads that do that, the employees that do that, the church people that do that, that say, hey, you know what? Everything that I have, it's going into God's kingdom. Every aspect is intentional. Because here's what I know. That God gave us everything when he sent his one and only son to die on a cross. And in response to that, we can give him everything. But here's what I want to do this morning, church. I want to remember Christ's sacrifice and that he gave us everything by partaking in communion together. So here's what I want you to do. Go ahead and lean forward in your chair in front of you. Uh, there's a little communion packet. I know they're a little different. And what we've used in the past, we're going to use these this morning. You don't have to be a member of our church or any church for that matter. All I ask is that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, that you have accepted Him. Um, the night Jesus was betrayed, He gathered His disciples together. He gathered them together for a meal, and He broke the bread, and He passed it around, and He said, this is my bread, or this is my body, broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup and he drank of it. And he said, this is my body. Drink this in remembrance of me. And the New Testament calls us as a church that we ought to do this to remember what God has done for us. But before we do that, we ought to examine each and every one of our hearts to say, God, am I in good standing with you? So here's what I want to do this morning. Before we partake of this together, I want to just spend some time in prayer. Let's examine our hearts. If you'd like to, 
ask God to point out different things in your life that maybe aren't as faithful as they could be. If you want to, say, God, help me to start this audit of my life. Help me to evaluate my life for idols. Help me to have these things in my life that I have, that I have plans for, and give them over to you, over to your plans, and invest them into your kingdom the best way that I possibly can. I'm going to give you the next moment or so, the next 30 seconds or so. Examine your heart, and then I'll close us in prayer. Jesus, thank you for giving it all. Thank you for dying on the cross for us. For sacrificing your whole life on our behalf. Thank you. If there's any unrepentant sin, Father, in our lives, help us to repent now. Help us to have a good standing with you, Father, because of what Jesus has done for us. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and peel back that first layer and that will um, give you access to the bread. The night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples. And he says, eat this in remembrance of me. You can peel back that second layer. That will give you access to the juice. And in the same way, he gave his disciples the cup. And he said, this is my blood shed for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we thank you so much. Thank you for dying on the cross and giving it all for us. Help us to give it to you. Our entire lives. Help us to take this audit and decipher, man, what is going on? Where is my money going? Where are my thoughts going? Where are my relationships going? Where is everything being invested into? And God, help us to wisely choose to invest everything into your kingdom to take everything that is our lives and say, God, we give it to you. We invest it to you. We want to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Not here on earth where stock markets go crazy and things rot and get destroyed. But God, in your kingdom, that will never end. That is everlasting. Jesus, we thank you for the certainty that you offer each and every one of us, the hope that you give to us. Help us to give you everything that we are. We love you because you first loved us. God, if there's someone here today maybe who's never chosen to give you their lives, I pray that today would be their day that they do that. Help them to give everything to you. And help us to stay vigilant 
in looking at our lives and giving you everything. Not falling into the routines of life, not doing things because we've always done them, God, but doing things because you've called us to do it. Because that is what's being faithful with it. Jesus, help us to do that. Help us to be faithful. We give our lives to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.